0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Amen. Well, we're just going to get into the Word today. Man, I'm so excited to to share this message with you. We've been in a series uh, last week called Gifted. And uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at uh, the, uh, the idea of gifts, gift in the in the Scripture today, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Next week, we're going to jump a little bit deeper in, but we're just kind of slowly going into the water. Last week, we talked a little bit, and I don't want to uh, recap by way of recap. There's purpose of me re-saying some of these things, because I really want to make sure that you understand what I shared last week. What well, last week I talked about is this idea that in order for you and I to make a difference and to discover what God has wired us or what our purpose in Christ is and, and our specific spiritual giftings in our lives, we have to first get our lives in the correct spiritual order. We identify that there, we have a body and that we, we look scripturally and prove that there's a soul and there's a spirit, and the soul and the spirit make up our heart. And when you and I become followers of Jesus Christ, we, uh, our, our, our spirit is made new. Our spirit was dead, and then it comes alive. When you meet Jesus and accept the invitation to be a follower of Christ, your spirit becomes renewed and transformed, and now you are able to have a a divine spirit that is led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and he reveals himself to us, and he speaks to us in his word, and he informs and communicates with our spirit man or spirit woman, and then we say to our spirit man or soul, part of us. Our soul is carnal side. We say, no, your mind isn't going to be in control and your emotions aren't going to be in control. And no, I'm not going to do your will. I'm going to do God's will. So our spirit is telling our emotional man, our emotional woman to come in line with the word of God. And then what happens is our soul says, okay, body, I want you to express what the spirit of God is saying in your life. I want you to make godly choices and I want you to serve the Lord. And I want you to speak like this and talk like this and live your life like this and behave like this. And so we find that the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. Our spirit informs our soulish, carnal person, and our carnal person tells our body, okay, we are under submission to the Holy Spirit. We're submitted to His Word. And what happens when we do that, something supernatural happens, but what happens alternatively is that the opposite would be is that we are led by our carnal, soulish, fleshly person. And our soul, our emotions— what we think and our own will leads our lives and we inform our body and therefore we live a life that is that is destructive or a life that leads to destruction or a life that leads to dissatisfaction. And the spirit man is the last one to follow suit. The spirit person of us is the one who's just catching up to how we're living our lives. And I want you to hear me today. We're gonna start right out the gate. Are you ready? Here we go. If you are here today in church and you are a Christian and following after Jesus, but you're led by your soul, your emotions, your thinking, you're you're doing your own will. You will not experience what God intended for your life when it comes to being a part of the local church. And if we are not in the spiritual order, we will not discover what he has gifted us to do. The value of your life as a Christian will be determined by the degree to which you use the gift God has given you. You will not be able to discover your giftings if you are allowing your mind and your emotions and your will to be in control of your life. Because when you do step out in the gifting God's given you, it will honestly, most likely be about me. When we're led by the Spirit, it's about Jesus, and it's about people, When we're led by our soul, it's about me. And what we find is that If you are led by the natural soulish part of your inner person when you are engaging in church or you're engaging in your spiritual gifting, eventually it will lead to hurt, it will lead to offense, it will lead to wounds, it will lead to exhaustion, it will lead to burnout, and will leave you angry or frustrated, and you will either sit in the church and never engage ever again, or you will leave the church, sadly enough, you will leave the church and never again to enter the dark of the doors because we were soul-led and not spirit-led. And this is where many people get turned around in the church. This is where many people, and I know as a church plant, we've had a lot of folks come in, and I get it. And I want you to say that. I'm not here to minimize the reality of your previous situation. But without realizing it, we slip from being led by God's spirit Being obedient to his call, sacrificing for him, being spirit-led into soulish thinking, soulish serving, and it becomes about me, and that's when I get wounded, and that's when I get offended, because many people have experienced pain and hurt, because when you're engaging in the local church, guess who you're dealing with? Carnal, natural, fleshly people. And if we're not engaging one another, spirit-led, you'll engage one another, soul-led, and you'll be leading with your emotion, you'll be leading with your will, you'll be leading with your own thinking, and you are bound to get wounded because people make mistakes, fall short of the glory of God when you're expecting them to do everything for you when in reality we're supposed to serve one another. And so here we see this breakdown. I know I'm getting right into it real quick. It's because I love you that I want you to experience the reality of what God has for you. We see that many people in the church have experienced this pain, and it is legitimate. Pastors have made mistakes. Leaders have overworked you. The church has had the wrong mission. The church has had the wrong focus. Alternatively, you have and I have responded incorrectly. You and I did not forgive. You and I did not process. You and I did not work it out. You and I did not journey. So on both sides, human leaders, human pastors, human churches have misused and abused you. And on the other hand, I responded like an immature, soul-led person. So what happens is, is that we have a bunch of, Christians who are hurt in the church who never want to serve in the church of God ever again because this pastor did that or that leader did this or I responded this way and you come into the house of God and I'm here, I'm saying this because I love you. We miss out on what God has for the church. The church is the place where we find life and joy and satisfaction and fulfillment and we serve one another and we fulfill the purposes of God in our life. It's the place where we experience more joy than anything else. This world will be able to provide for you. And that's how God wired it, and that's how God intended it, that the house of the Lord will be a place where you and I can serve one another. So today, if you're in that place, I know I've sure been there. In fact, Steph will tell you, I've told you many times, it almost knocked me out of ministry. I almost quit serving the Lord. I didn't want to go to church. I hated Christian people. I hated you for praying for me. Stop praying for me. I don't believe you can pray for me. Oh, I got a financial trouble? Oh yeah, you're going to pray for me? You're going to help me? Oh, okay, you're going to help me? All right. Well, the last pastor said that. I got cynical and angry and bitter and frustrated. I wanted to leave church. I hated God. And then the Lord did a miracle in my heart we started a church. Hallelujah. <laughs> say, oh, that's weird. <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with it, so I get it. But I had to make a choice in the journey. Today, I'm going to choose to stop being led by my soul. And I'm going to choose to be, allow the Holy Spirit permission to come into my life and begin to reorder my spiritual life to put the spirit of myself ahead of my soul person, say, well, Ryan, how do I do that? Well, I'm telling you today, I got a bottom line, non-sexy answer for you and it will always be the same and I'm very sorry. <laughs> this isn't sexy. You're not gonna like it. There's three, this simple statement. You must be obedient to God's word, God's voice and God's leading. Obedience. Obedience. Obedience to his word is what requires us to be able to get our spirit man in front of our soul person. Obedience to God, obedience to his word, obedience to his voice. And why do we obey him? Because we love him. Not because there's a list of to-do lists or I can't do this or I can't do that. You think that way, that's called legalism. See, you and I want to obey the word of God because we're so madly in love with him for all the amazing, incredible favor and grace he's poured out on our lives. Look at this in Psalms 40. I'm going to read three different translations. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. Another translation. My God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. Where are the teachings? In the heart. Remember our heart's made up of two things, our spirit and our soul. Remember what the word of God does? It divides between our spirit man and our soul man, and it judges between the intentions and the thoughts. And so left to ourselves, without the teachings written on your heart, you are destined and doomed to be led by your soul. Now, the key to getting right spiritual order is to read the word and to be obedient to the word. Look at this next version. Look at this. I want to do what pleases you, my God. Your law dominates my thoughts. Say, Ryan, how do I get my life in the right spiritual order? How do I get back in a servant in the house of God for the right reason? We've got to start being obedient to the word of the Lord. You've got to start reading it. You've got to start getting it in your heart. You say, Ryan, I don't like it. Uh, I don't like what it says. I know it's hard to process the fact that we should not do certain things. But the reason he encourages not to do certain things is because at the end of the day, he knows what's best for us. And he knows the things that we tend to do in our lives bring nothing but destruction. And he knows that when we lead our lives and it takes hard, it's hard work and it's difficult and it's, it's, it's patience and it's endurance. And you say, Ryan, isn't God just gonna magically change you? Well, he does a lot of magical change in your life, but serving the Lord is just day in and day out going through the strokes of obeying his word and saying yes to his voice and being responding to him. And little by little, we get our spirit man in order. We listen to his voice. Look at this, James 1.25. But the truly happy people are those who carefully study God's perfect law that makes people, say it together, free. The word of God makes you what? Free. The word of God does not bo- cause bondage in your life or keep you from a life. No, the word of God makes you Free. And they continue to study. Look at this. They do not forget what they heard, but they obey what God's teaching says. Those who do this will be made happy. How about John chapter 15? If you obey my teaching, you will live in my love. You won't just experience his love once at church. You will live in that state. You will constantly be in the love and the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit when you obey my teaching. In this way, I have obeyed my Father's teaching and live in his love. I've told you these things so that, look at this, my joy may be in you and your joy may be, uh-oh, full. So the most, ha- the happiest, most satisfied, most fulfilled people are not those who continue to live based on their soul. They are those who continue to live according to God's word the most happy, the most joyful, the most satisfied, the most fulfilled, the people that feel like, man, God is in control of my life. He's causing transformation in my heart. He's providing for me, and I don't even deserve it. He's my Jehovah Jireh, not because I just think he's my Jehovah Jireh. He's proven to be my Jehovah Jireh. God begins to change your life, not because you continue to live the way you think, but continue to live the way God thinks in his word. Ryan, what does this have to do with gifts? You cannot figure out your gifting until you learn that the teachings of God's word are for your benefit, for your growth, and the life on the other side of obedience is joy, satisfaction, contentment, happiness, fulfillment, life purpose, giftings, fulfillment, serving other people, destiny, Uh, all these things come from being obedient to the word of God. Not obedient to how you think, not obedient to what you want, not obedient to your will. I know I'm going at you today, but it's okay. Not obedient to your emotions, obedient to the word of God. I'm here to tell you because I love you. As I wept over this scripture, as I prayed last night for you, I said, Lord, I don't want to share this. He said, Ryan, this is what people need to hear to understand using your gifts in the kingdom of God isn't about you, it's about the Lord. And the only way to get there is if his will is first and his way is first and his thinking's first and his emotions are first and his will is first and his word is first. I say, God, I desire to do your will because your teachings are written on my heart. When you do this surely, but slowly but surely, you'll begin to see the right spiritual order. And I read this verse last week, I ended with it. I wanna read it again. Ephesians chapter one, my favorite verse in the Bible. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of our glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. So he says, I pray that you would know God personally, you begin to know him better, grow in a relationship with him. Look at this, so that your eyes will be focused and clear. Your relationship with God won't be foggy anymore. You won't be just confused by how this all works. You won't look at the 633 Mosaic law and say, how do I do all of these things? You don't have to do those things. You just need to learn to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And over time, he begins to change you and he transforms you. And look what happens so that you can see focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Notice you can't see exactly what it is he's calling you to do until you're focused and clear in your relationship with God. And the way to become focused and clear in relationship with God is to read the teachings of God's word and to apply it to your life and be obedient. So look what it says. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work and us who trust in him, endless energy, boundless strength. See, this is what God has for you. And when look at this. When you know him better and obey his word, you will know yourself better so you can make a difference with your life. That's called the right spiritual order. And you begin to understand something about yourself. There's three things you begin to understand. The first thing is your wiring. You begin to realize that you are divinely designed and that divine wiring is a natural capacity to do certain things. It's it's we all have a specific wiring by God, things that God has wired us to do. It's not a gifting, it's a wiring. Big difference. Ever set out to do something? Play guitar, learn, learn a language, and you just work your buns off and you just stink at it? Because you're not wired to do that, Vince. He said yes, okay. I took guitar lessons for years. Piano for years. Can you believe that? Can you see me leading worship like my hair whipping back? And I just couldn't get it. I'm not wired to do it. See, my wife and I were first dating. She was 18 years old when we first started dating. And uh, she lived in Vancouver, BC, and I lived in Portland, Oregon. And it was old school, like 2005, 2004, old webcams, right? They just came out, webcams. Now they're built into your computer, kids. They used to be out of the computer and rather large, And so I was trying to teach her how to install this USB webcam. See, God just gave me a mind for technology. I've never taken a class in my life. I've never gone to school. Yet somehow I was able to create a marketing company where I could do websites and I could do videography and photography and all these things. Never taken one lesson in my life. My mind just works. You got a computer problem. I can most likely fix it by God's grace. He wired me to do it. My wife and I got in our first fight that day. Because she didn't know what a USB was, and I'm like, "How do you not know? Da la da! How do you? I got the mic. How do you? How do you not know what a USB is, Stephanie? Like, it's not that hard. It's square, and you plug it in. What's that? And what do I do? And that's how she sounds when she fights, or whatever. <laughs> you know, back and forth we fought, and I got really upset. What's wrong with you? I can't believe this. You can't figure it out. Well, but my wife also speaks two languages. She speaks Italian, and she speaks English, and she are uh, three. She speaks in tongues. All right, hallelujah. And so that's a wiring. Many of you here today are wired in a certain way. It's, it's amazing to realize that God has wired some of us to do certain things well and other things not well. That is not a gifting. That is a wiring. The second thing we realize when we know read his word and obey him, better, obey him and we know ourselves better is our passions. We, 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 we are divine inspiration to have a focus or concern for a specific thing. It's a holy passion. What makes you tick? What ticks you off? (laughs) What are you excited about? What makes you cry? What moves you to action? Whatever this is, this holy passion, God will often use the destructive past that you've had, the wounds that you've been through, the hardship you faced, to often develop a passion in you for God's kingdom. So, if you were a person here today and you had uh, maybe you were uh, sexually abused, or maybe you uh, lost a job and you got fired uh, uh, unfairly, or maybe you uh, had experienced sickness in your body and you've come through it, those challenges, God wants to use those difficulties in your life to develop a holy passion in you to help other people in the same way God helped you. That is not a gifting, it's a passion. We have a passion for the Lord to do certain things. I have a passion, and I'm just going to say it, to help stop abortion. I have a passion to help foster children and orphans in our city. We're starting to foster this city, praise God. And Lyric, are they in the room? Lyric and... Hazel, thank you, Eric and Hazel. And we've got the Baker family, uh, our, our foster parents, and we've got another unsafe family who wants their help. And we're it's percolating in our church, and we're doing a video and launching a new program to serve the city. As many foster families as we can, the kingdom of God is going to help the orphans in our city. The 10,000 children, babies in our city who don't, who, are, who don't have foster homes. We are called as a church. That's a passion. And so therefore, we're gonna, our church is going to go towards that passion. That is not a gifting. It's a passion. What has the Lord given you a passion for? What is the Lord stirring you for? And we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about your gifting, which, which is a divine enablement from God to do certain things at a certain time to specifically serve the local church. You may have a passion for marriages, but that's not a spiritual gifting. Say, Ryan, I've got the gift of, for marriages. No, that's called, that's called a passion. You might have a, a, a gift of leadership, Or you might have a gift of administration. You might have a gift of discernment. Or you might have a gift of wisdom. Or you might have a gift of tongues. Or you might have a gift of prophecy. But you serving marriages is a passion. Say, Ryan, I'm gifted in business. No, 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 that's a wiring. You're just good at it. Michael Baker and and Matt Procdady, they're good at business. It's a wiring, not a gifting. It's important you understand the distinction. It's important you don't get these things confused. Because often people have come into the church and said, I have a gifting for marriage. And I've said, that's not a gifting, that's a passion. But all they want to do is serve in marriages. And that's fine. But serving in your gifting in the house of God does not have to do with your passion or your wiring. It has to do with a prompting of the Holy Spirit to meet a need that he will give you grace to fulfill. This is where the church has gone wrong when it comes to spiritual giftings. We have taught you that it's just about how you're wired or what you're passionate about, when in reality, it's about none of those things. It's about being a servant in the house of God, and he gives you a divine enablement to do that thing, and it will bring you joy and passion and fulfillment because he's given you the grace to meet that specific need to build up the body of Christ so it becomes healthy. It's important we don't mix these things and get these things out of whack. Now, let's dig a little bit deeper into giftings today with our remaining time. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, I'm going to read from the New Life Version. The New Life Version says this, Christians, Christian brothers, and I had to add, and sisters, and don't worry, girls, I did that just for you, because it just said, Christian brothers said, oh, no, we get our sisters in there too. So Christian brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You need to understand the truth about this. The translation says, you've got to be, you, you must not be uninformed about this matter. And then in verse four, he continues. I had to skip a few verses, and it's not because I didn't want to preach on it. I just wanted to save time. But I could tell you later, if you're like, what does verse two to verse three mean? Ask me and I'll tell you. Verse four, there are different kinds of gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit who gives them. There are different kinds of work to be done for him, but the work is for the same Lord. There are different ways of doing his work, but it's the same God. He uses all of these ways and all his people. The Holy Spirit works in each person in one way or the other for the good of all. Another translation, the Living Bible says, the Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. So your passion could be all across the world. Your passion could be in your community. Your wiring could be for your life. Your wiring could be, and both the passions and wiring can serve the house of God. But we have to understand something. The context of the entire church is specifically your gifting. It's specifically God's divine inspiration and grace in your life to serve in an area in in the body of Christ where the body is weak. It's not about your, what am I passionate about? The church does that, and I think it's dangerous. Come on, what are you passionate about? So we build all of our church based on what you're passionate about. What are we making it about? You. But We look at the church and say, okay, Lord, where are we weak as a body? Oh, man, we're weak here. Come on, Holy Spirit, speak to someone in the church. Give them the divine capability to meet that need in the church, Lord. Help them, and they will come and say, hey, I want to serve in this area. I actually don't know what I'm doing, but the Holy Spirit's given me a divine inspiration, and I have the grace to do it for a season, for a certain time. And so what happens in the church, I know I'm going off my notes a little bit. What happens in the church is that people are called and gifted and graced in a specific season. The season is up, yet they continue to serve because the leadership team or themselves are emotionally attached to the idea of that person being in that role for too long. And so they get burned out or the pastor gets mad. That's called when the grace is lifted, we need to be aware of that reality and be okay with it. Man, my season in kids ministry is up. Or maybe your season in kids ministry is a start today. We may have to move our children into the worship, which I think is amazing, by the way. We think it's powerful. But because we do not have enough kids workers. We just don't. We have so many stinking kids in this church. Stop having sex, everyone. <laughs> just kidding. Keep it up. Just in the context of marriage, please. We need your help. So you say, I'm not called to kids' ministry. Well, that's okay. The Lord's going to give you divine grace because if you open up your heart, you speak to him, you're going to be reading in the scripture. Also, the Lord's going to speak to you. Oh, man, you need to serve in the church in this area. God, I don't want to do that. These kids are, oh, my gosh, I hate children. Well, I'm going to give you grace. And it might not be forever. And it might just be for a season but you need to serve that place because the kids have to come in here and Stephanie has to come over here and Jesse has to go there and my daughter's working two Sundays every single Sunday and this person's overdone and Laura's been serving in there and we need help there. I'm, say, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm saying this to help you recognize that God gives you grace for a season and when the season's up, we are have a responsibility to say, okay, the season's up. Thank you for serving. Where to next? What happens is, is we bail, pull the ripcord, and poof, to the next church. They overworked me. Poof, 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 If you're committed to the house of God, let's do this together. Let's not just bail. Let's say, okay, that was a little arduous for me. It's because the grace lifted, and now God's calling you to this area. And maybe God's given you a long-term grace for a long period of time. Praise God. Pastor James is that a long-term grace to lead us in worship. And trust me, he's felt the grace lifted many times. And i am saying it's still there, James. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Kids' ministry! Be careful, James, what you asked for, brother. All right, so we look at this word gifts here in the Scripture, and we see that this word gift is actually the word charismata. It's where we get the word charismatic. Now, you hear that word, and if you're a church person here today, there's either two responses. Either one side of you says, that's the right way to do church, aha! Come on, speaking in tongues and prophesying and healing. And come on, let's just do five-hour services and let's just go bananas and let's hear angels from heaven and let's do all these things and let's just go for it, which many of those things I love. Many of them I think is ridiculous. Come on, let's speak in tongues, and let's, let's, let's believe in healing, and come on, let's believe that the gifts of the Spirit are available for us today and that the power of God can come. I believe those things for the church. Now, the rest of you might be like, oh, my gosh, that's weird. This is odd. I had a bad experience. I did, too. One time I was preaching in a church, and the, pat, the guy who was going to preach after me got below the rose and started barking like a dog. It was a very charismatic church. And I was like, dude, this guy's barking like a dog. What's happening here? That is stinking Weird. And we will not do that in our church. We'll find balance. But you say, Ryan, I don't want to be a charismatic. I'm a Presbyterian. Well, let me ask you a question to decipher whether or not you're a charismatic or not. Do you believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the Bible are for today and for his church? Do you believe that our God can heal? Do you believe that God speaks to his people? Hey, guess what? You're a charismatic a charismatic is not a belief in a specific gift. A charismatic is a belief that God gives us grace to do supernatural things for his church. We believe that healing's for today. We believe speaking in tongues is for today. We believe prophecy is for today. We believe that the that, that administration and leadership and, and we believe all of these things are for today, but we believe that they're for today to serve one another, not to serve ourselves. So we eagerly desire these gifts, you might be here today saying, I had a bad experience. Well, so did I. Join the club. I'm the president. But thank God that we have a leadership team here at Love City Church who wants to believe in the gifts but doesn't want to be weird. There's a reason why we only have 70-minute services. It's because I think it's crazy to go for four hours, and it might be a contextual thing in other places. But, guys, we're just going to meet Jesus in 70 minutes, okay? Amen. Someone back there is like, can we try 40? <laughs> No, we can't. Okay. In my last remaining just few minutes, let me break down very quickly just this word charismata. There's three, just three things. I'll say them very quickly. The first one is this, is that the word charismata means divine gifts of grace. So that word ma, at the end of the word charis, charis means grace. The word ma is actually a word that represents, it implies it's a result of something. So it's a gift of divine grace. It's one of the most foundational things you must understand, that as followers of Jesus, it is never our job to to pursue the, the results of grace in our life. The goal is to pursue grace himself. And so when we pursue Jesus, we get our lives back in order. We put Jesus first. What happens is he gives you divine grace, And when that divine grace comes, it's grace for gifting, it's grace for people, it's grace to serve others, it's grace to lay your life down, it's a grace to do something that's beyond your capacity, beyond your understanding, beyond your knowledge, beyond your wisdom. He comes and by his grace, he enables you to do something beyond yourself in the house of the Lord. It stretches you a little bit. It's not just in your comfort zone. The second definition is a divine gift of unmerited favor. You say, Ryan, I don't deserve to serve or I don't deserve to have a gift or I'm not good enough. Well, good, join the club, folks. I am the king of undeservedness. I don't deserve any of the gifts that God has given me. Why? Because it's unmerited favor. It's not attached to what you've done for him. It's simply by his he gives you gifts in your life. These are not activated by, the, by us. We do not do them. This is simply favor. They are from God and they are for God. These spiritual gifts are not permanent acquisitions or talents that God gives you. These are not, once you have the gift of healing, now you're Mr. Healer. They're not, now that I have the gift of administration, I am the chief administrator and I will fix everything in your church. See, often we think that when God gives us this, this divine favor, that somehow it goes from being the, given the gift of healing to becoming the person of healing. And the reality is there's only one healer, and his name is Jesus see what he does is he gives you divine favor to do things on his behalf and for his people that promotes his kingdom and it's outside of your capacity and it's not based on how much you read your bible or how much you prayed we look at all these people who call themselves so-and-so healer and i have to say today healing is a gift of the spirit it is not a role of ministry healer john or healer rick or healer this person that is not biblical Jesus is the only healer. People say, well, I have a healing ministry. No, Jesus has the healing ministry. He just happens to give you favor. And unfortunately, it slipped from a place of humility into a place of buy my book for $14.99 and learn how you can be a healer too. Ryan, just come to my tour, and I will teach you how to bring revelation from heaven from the angels of the earth. That's pride. That's pride. I want to encourage you strongly to run away from that type of teaching. The only healer is Jesus. The only prophesier is Jesus. He gives you favor. And the moment we start to think that this is about us or it's because of me or it's because I have a formula or it's because I pray a certain way or I give a certain way or I act a certain way, that is the moment you will lose the gifting. and It will become about you. You will build a tower of Babel and the end result will be one thing, confusion. It's favor. It's unmerited favor. It's given to you to serve other people. Look what it says. Again, it means of it helping who? The entire church. This is about serving people. Look what it says in 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Not yourself. Not your emotions. Not my way. Not what I want. What well, should be done like this or it should look like that. That's not your job. Your job is to come and say, all right, Lord, can you give me grace to serve in this season, in this capacity, where I know God's called me to serve in this area. The purpose of the divine gift from God is to serve the church. We cannot get this backwards, that this gift is undeserved, that the gift is to serve others, that the gift is to lay down other people or lay down our lives for other people. We want our wiring and our passions and our giftings to be in the house of God. But ultimately, I want you to hear me. I want those things active in the church, but it's actually mostly about your spiritual gift. The things God's given you in a divine enablement to do, and he's giving you grace for the season so that we can build a healthy church together. Now, lastly, the third thing. The third definition of this word, charismata, you're gonna love this. A divine gift that brings God's joy, pleasure, and delight to your life. This grace that God gives you, I'm telling you, is where you're going to find that that joy that you've been looking for. I'm going to say this, and you might not like it, but I believe this with all of my heart. You can serve in your wiring and passions and find great joy, but there's nothing like finding the joy from the Lord that comes from serving in the house of God when you serve in the house of God with the gifting he's given you, there is joy, there's fulfillment, there's satisfaction, there's pleasure, there's excitement, and I believe that our spiritual giftings can only be used in the local church. You can use your wirings and your passions in the different areas of the different ministries around the city or at a business or other places. You can use your wirings and your passions in those places. But spiritual giftings are reserved for the house of the Lord. And when you serve in those areas in the house, of the Lord, guess what happens? The church becomes healthy. The church becomes loving. The church is growing. And you find great satisfaction and fulfillment in your life from being used by God, even though you don't deserve it. And even though you've done nothing to be qualified for it, begin to see people experience the power of Jesus in their lives to serve one another's needs. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I want to pray for you today. My prayer is today that you just hear my heart, my pastoral heart for you today is that I want you just to experience what God intended for you to experience when you joined a local church. It's joy. We pray for you today. Father, I just pray for every person here. We thank you, God, that, Lord, you have given us gifts. Every person in the room, as we'll talk about next week, has a gift. Every person here has a gift. We want to say thank you, Lord, for gifting us in our life with something that we don't deserve. And I pray today, God, for any of us who've been wounded and hurt, misused and abused, waiting for the gotcha moment in Love City Church. (laughs) Let them know, Father, that together we're trying to build a healthy church and we need them. Together we need to do this shoulder to shoulder, not hierarchically, not me over them, Lord, but together, shoulder to shoulder, building the house of God, building a healthy place where people can know Jesus and we can make disciples. So Lord, I just pray for anyone in the room today who doesn't know you. Anyone online who doesn't know you today. I pray that you would move upon their heart. Lord, I pray today that they would choose to serve you. They would make a personal confession of faith with their mouth and with their heart to say, I'm gonna serve the Lord. While well, every eye closed, if you're here today, you say, Ryan, I just wanna give my life to Jesus today. I feel far from him, disconnected from him. And I'd like to make a decision today to rededicate my life and give my heart to him today. want you here today, why don't you just put your hand in the air real quick so I can see you. Father, we just pray for these people, folks. Father, we pray you pour their, your, your spirit upon their heart and let them know that they are in a good place today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's just sing this chorus together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.